This is Professor Tim Jones, Vice-Chancellor of the University of Liverpool, and you are listening to the Academy's Developing Practice podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Academy's Developing Practice podcast. In this episode, we chat with Tim about his recent start as the Vice-Chancellor of the University of Liverpool and his thoughts about leading strategy development. We hope you enjoy. Tim, we're really pleased to be speaking to you today. Thank you so much um, for your time. It's great to have this chance to speak to you so soon after you've started as the Vice-Chancellor at the University of Liverpool. So we wondered if we could start by asking you what drew you to the role of Vice-Chancellor and specifically the Vice-Chancellor at the University. Yeah, thank you. And and delighted to be having the conversation. I mean, I think the first thing you know, over many years, I suppose I've moved, I moved into senior leadership roles in my career. I started out as an academic and, and a regular academic. And then as I went through my career from Imperial College to University of Warwick and University of Birmingham, I gradually developed leadership skills, took on leadership roles, particularly at Warwick and Birmingham. I was a pro vice chancellor, head of faculty. I then became provost deputy vice chancellor at Birmingham for six and a half years. So I think you know, vice chancellor was the obvious next step. I suppose it was kind of the final step in that trajectory. I felt I was right to step up to the role um, and build on that experience and expertise that I'd, I'd gained over quite a number of years, working with some some very experienced vice chancellors at the previous organisation. So I think that was the the career trajectory. Um, I think then why Liverpool? Um, I think there's a number of reasons. I mean, first and foremost, I'm a, an alumnus. Mm. Um, a double alumnus, both an undergraduate and PhD at the university. So, you know, absolutely wonderful opportunity to come back to the institution where I spent eight years, about 30 years ago. And, and you know, there aren't many people who go back as vice chancellor to universities where they're, they, they were the students, actually. It's a very small number. So, you know, that was a great honour, a great privilege. So the opportunity was perfect. But also, I think, you know, the university, it's a research intensive university. It's a civic university, big, and, you know, a major focus in a city, the Liverpool, the city of Liverpool. So it, it, that kind of resonates with all my background and the expertise I've got. So I just felt it was a really strong fit, both personally because of the, the, the fact I'm an alumnus, but also because of the type of university that, that Liverpool is in the place where where it belongs. So I think that, that that's what drew, drew me to Liverpool ultimately. So it's a perfect timing and a great opportunity. Fantastic. And what have you made of the change in the city Um I guess previously when you were an undergraduate to coming back now, there's been massive changes. What what have you made of all those changes? Yeah, I mean, those changes are huge. I mean, yeah. if you if I think back to when I was here in the late 1980s, you would never go down the docks. <laughs> you know, the, the Tate Gallery in the Albert Dock was just being opened about the time I left. Um, but now, you know, it's a wonderfully vibrant, creative, inspirational place to be, isn't it? And 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 full of people and and lots of different things to do. And you can extend that around quite large parts of, of the city, actually. I mean, the the the, um, the Georgian Quarter is another area which, you know, near the university, which is completely different to when I was a student. Um, you know, and I think it was the capital of culture that probably transformed the city, helped initiate that transformation, which I think was 2007. Uh, and I think since then, the change of the in the infrastructure of the city has been phenomenal. And I think that pace of change will continue, actually. 
So I think there's been huge changes in terms of the infrastructure and the way the city functions, uh, most of which is for the uh, positive, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think another thing that I've noticed, I've been at the university since 2016, is people, um, particularly local people, are really proud of those changes. They're really proud of how far the city's come since since those days in the 1980s. And, you know, you get a sense of that, don't you, when you're speaking to people, particularly on campus as well? Yeah, you get that sense of talking to people here, but you also get that sense of people who visit, I think. Right. What struck me when when I was coming and, you know, I was telling people I was moving to Liverpool last year, the number of people who had said, oh, we went there recently and we loved the city. Yeah. And they'd never been before. If they had, it'd been quite a number of years ago. And actually that positivity was really quite pronounced around the country, I think, uh, not just the people within the city and within the university, which I think is a really positive thing, actually. People mm. really notice the difference and what a fun, vibrant place it is to to live and visit and, and study. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a real... It's Sometimes I want to keep it a secret when I say to people, because I live in the north part of the West Midlands, um, just north of Stoke, and I... When people talk about, you know, commuting to different places like Manchester, Birmingham, I always say, yeah, go there. And I always try to keep it a little bit of a secret because I don't want people to find out and to, you know, to make my journey onto campus uh, any busier than it needs to be. <laughs> yeah, I'm the opposite. Can I do I want to tell everybody? The good <laughs> but I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, no, but actually, well, you know, one of the things I keep saying, we, we need to talk more, more outward focus to, to, to yeah. tell a good story about, the university and the city because i think there's so much good we can tell people about uh, and attract people to come and, and work with us and i think you know we have to be outward focused yeah um i, I understand why you say that but, but <laughs> yeah. I, you know, let's yeah. be positive about <laughs> yeah absolutely going on. well i mean there's i'm sure you've had lots of positive conversations already with lots of uh individuals and colleagues from from the university i think it was one of your first emails that you sent out to all staff, which mentioned about, you know, if, if you are seen on campus, please stop and, you know, introduce yourself and say hello. Has that happened? Did anybody stop you in the street? And, and if so, um, you know, what kind of impression have you built up there for, you know, in the last, well, it's nearly, it's nearly four months now. No, it's, it's over four months now since you started. No, less than four months. It's about it just less? over three months. I've okay. done my first hundred days, I think, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, no, so I answered your question. Yes, quite a number of people mm. stop me when I walk around campus, actually, and introduce themselves and say what they do. And just actually, more importantly, they just say hello. And one of the things that struck me is how, first of all, how how open people are, how generous they are with their time, and how proud they are to be associated with the university and I think that comes through at all levels actually yeah. it's been really really sort of interesting and and and, and reassuring of, and of how welcoming and how proud people are to be associated with the university and and that's great actually so very very positive people are really welcoming and friendly I think that's one of the things that strikes me most about being back in the last three 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 and a half months yeah, absolutely. It's a very special place to work and a really yeah. special city to be part of. It's really positive that colleagues are getting to know you a bit. And I, I just I was just wondering, how would you describe yourself as a leader? Is there a specific kind of leadership style that you're planning to adopt um, here at Liverpool? I, whether there's a specific style, I don't know. But I mean, I've, hopefully there's some characteristic. I mean, I'm, I'm an open 
transparent, um, engaging. I mean, one of the things I, I said right at the beginning was that I would get around the university and I'm holding a lot of meetings and visits around schools, departments, you know, and I've fulfilled a lot of those and they're not going to be one-offs. I intend those to be repeated on a, certainly on an annual basis and have quite informal get-togethers so I can listen and, and talk and engage with with as many people as possible obviously time's always going to be a limit but I can do a lot of that so so I and I, I enjoy that and I think it's the only way I can understand what makes the university tick and and I think it's important that people have an opportunity to to talk to me and showcase what 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 matters to them so I think that sort of openness and engagement is important I think you know then there's the balancing of being inclusive and, and trying to get as, as, as many people to contribute as possible with the need to make decisions and I think that's always a balance in leadership so you need to be decisive and make decisions and be clear about the strategic direction um, so balancing that engagement and inclusivity with with the need to, to make decisions is, is going to be important I mean I think the final thing I'm a great believer in empowering people we're a very large, very complex organization, you know, 7,000 staff, lots of different elements of the university. Um, and, you know, leadership is not just about me. It's about the wider leadership of the organization and what goes on in different bits of the university. It's the leaders in, in those parts of the university that will really make things happen. Um, and, you know, I've got to support them and empower them and make, you know, I don't want to micromanage the organization. It's about empowering people in the organization to to make decisions and, and do good things. So my job is to create that environment, I think. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that really speaks to speaks to me in the sort of culture that I want to work in. So I'm I'm sure you'll speak to you know many of the listeners as well. Um I mean, you've just mentioned there the complexity of the organization. I I was shocked when I first joined about how complex it is. I honestly thought it would be very similar to my previous role in local government. And um, it's not, it's not the same. It's far more complex. It's almost like having 200 mini businesses all centered around a central aim almost, but they've all kind of got their own maybe competing aims or cultures even. So yeah, it's, it's massively complex. And it just sort of leads me on to a question around maybe what challenges we, we could face going forward. Obviously we're coming out of a pandemic, all universities have had similar challenges in terms of uh, maybe student recruitment, Brexit and the rest. Um, do you feel like this institution has any specific challenges that we might face going forward? I mean, I think I think we're I think there's lots of general challenges that, that the sector faces going, 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 you know, there's the high inflation at the moment and all yeah. the issues of cost of living, which impact everybody actually you know staff students but also the costs for the university and and but everybody's facing that uh, we've got to manage that there's the challenges of government funding uh, around students which is which is a big challenge so there's the sort of financial sustainability around students which which again is a sector issue not just specific to to us here at liverpool um, there's the challenge around international students and some of the complexities and, and the, the politics around that. Uh, you know, international students are an increasing part of our, our composition, uh, as they are with most universities. But, but you know, there are some challenges with government policies, with, with political agendas and geopolitics, which, which may make that difficult going forward. Um, so I think, you know, they're all quite generic, but they're all quite big challenges that, that we have to, to face. Um, 
you know, I think, and within that, we 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 we've got we've got challenges, but I think there's more important. There's lots of opportunities actually. Yeah. Um, you know, we're a, we're a fantastic university. We've we've had a really good ref result last year, the research excellence framework. So we need to build on that. We've got a great uh, position within the city where we're highly regarded. A lot of that came from the work that was done during COVID. I think where where the university did some fantastic work working with city partners. So we can build on all of those positives. You know, there's there's a positivity in the city as well that we've just talked about. So I think I'm more interested in grabbing the opportunities so that we can mitigate the challenges that we inevitably face, we'll always face and will face in the future, but use the strengths of the university and the opportunities to, to make sure we're in a strong position, actually. Yeah, I really like your, your take on that. Um, it reminds me, I had a conversation with a colleague recently and they were talking about how they've not, never seen so much um, building works happening on campus. You know, what a shame it is to have all this scaffolding up. And I was saying, <laughs> well, you know, isn't that amazing that all this work is taking place and improving the campus site? Um, so there's, you know, you can have a different take on it, can't you? About, you know, how does the campus look at the moment? But actually, this is really, this is really good news. This is investment into into the future. Yeah, yeah, and and if we weren't doing any of that, we'd have a bigger problem, right? So we, yeah, that's absolutely right. So we have to improve some of the fabric of the estate, but that we are doing that, and we will do more. But as you say, that's that's a good thing. Um, and we should be using that to help drive those those opportunities and, and make sure that we're successful. Because I, you know, I genuinely think we can be. Yeah. Fantastic. So there's a focus moving forward on opportunities as well as thinking about the challenges. Do you think that vice chancellors um, now I mean, need to? Because one of the things yeah. I'm, as you probably know, we're doing is developing a new strategy for the institution. So I think that links to those opportunities. How do we get to the next through the next? five to 10 years, uh, we've got the 150th um, anniversary in 2031, which is a really big landmark moment for the organization. And how do we position the university to take those opportunities um, and, and really fulfill you know, the potential that we've got? Fantastic. Just mentioned strategy. Some of the things I've been thinking about um, in terms of you know the, where the university goes in the next, well, how many years is it till 2031? It's only seven. Oh, my maths has left me. Eight years. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not that long until the until we we hit that milestone. Um, do you think there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk around? Can we make it into the top one hundred worldwide? Do you think there's anything missing that that we can't do? Because I'll just give you my take on it. I don't think, and not in terms of the people. I don't think we're, we're missing anything. I just think there's a um, there might there might need a mind shift. Uh, in there a little bit it seems to be sometimes it's a bit of I don't know it's we sort of navel gaze a, a little bit you know we look around the Russell group oh you know where are we compared to our comparators and things like that rather than actually really taking on uh, and improving the things that we do really really well so, so obviously I'll give you my thoughts on that but do you think there's anything that's holding us back and getting achieving those goals no, I agree with you. And if you've heard me talk around the campus the last three months, you've heard me talk about three big things we've got to shift. We've got to be more ambitious. We've got to be more confident. And we've got to be more outward focused. Right. And actually, I think that's right. So so lifting the confidence of the organisation, um, you know, lifting the ambition, raising the ambition, um, you know, 
been recognizing that actually we're as good as many of the comp much of the competition that we want to be better than or at least as good at um you know it's, it's not been about being unrealistic i think as you say many of the ingredients are in place we've got some fantastic staff we've got some great students we've got a wonderful location yes we've all got challenges within that but every university's got challenges um but let's just be more confident about what we're really good at let's make sure we tell people what we're really good at and and not just tell people within the organization let's tell people outside the organization not just in liverpool but more you know in the national stage but also importantly on the international stage as well um so i agree i mean that sounds quite straightforward i mean you know it's not easy to to get to global top 100 but i do think we can get there and i think you know we we do have the right ingredients but confidence ambition and being outward focused i think are three really key ingredients that's great and I guess those three ingredients come from kind of looking at who we are and, you know, where we've come from. And one of our key questions that we often ask our guests is it comes from like part of the, the culture in the academy where we work at the university is to ensure that we learn from what's happened before, from our mistakes and maybe our failures so that we can build on that and learn from it and, and use it as an opportunity to grow and to change and to develop. Is there something that sticks out as a moment of failure from your career that you've learned from that you really want to bring to Liverpool to, to achieve those three key goals? Yeah, I mean, whether it's a failure or whether it, I mean, one of I've 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 managed a lot of quite complex projects in my sort of career. And it's often interesting to to think what's worked best rather than what you know so maybe not a failure but perhaps didn't work as as well and i can think of a two to uh, compare two projects i did at birmingham one was around um something called the birmingham academic career framework where we completely changed the academic career framework really and it went it was a really successful project very complicated you know quite challenging potentially in parts but actually we got everybody on board it we took about three years to do it and i think everybody saw the benefits in doing it. And I think what we did a lot of was the, it comes back to engagement. We had really good engagement, listened, modified, and took it forward in, in the right way. I think there was another project, which is always complex in universities around central timetabling, <laughs> which is never easy, um, <laughs> which didn't wasn't a failure, but I think we didn't do enough engagement early on we didn't listen to some of the challenges and actually worse than that i think some of those issues were hidden from us which is never a good thing so you've got to be open about what the challenges are and i think you know so it took longer it was a bit messy and again if we'd have put the ingredients in place early on in the process to make sure we had that right level of engagement and communication then i think it would have been a smoother project if that makes sense. So it comes down to that balance of of of, of the way you lead, the way you, you try to get people on board. But you, you have to listen. You have to, to adapt. Uh, you will never, you, you know, you can't always please everybody, of course not as a leader, but you do need to make sure people have a voice and have that voice respected because I think they respect you if you've listened, even if you don't necessarily agree with what they've said. And I think that's important. If, so hopefully that makes sense. So not a failure. But certainly, you know, I think it was an, for me, it was an important lesson. Yeah. And that's clearly driven some of your agenda as you've arrived at the university. I mean, it's very clear for us on the ground. You know, you you're coming around the departments, you're sending out surveys you want to hear from us. So yeah. um, that's obviously, you know, driven some of the work that you're doing yeah. now. 
We noted from your biography that your current portfolio includes a range of strategic responsibilities, including work related to equality, diversity and inclusion. And this has been a key priority for the university in recent years and indeed is a focus for our podcast in particular. So I was just wondering if you could tell us some more about your work related to EDI. Yeah, I mean, I, and I should say, I think, you know, I think Liverpool's done, done a re- doing a really good job, actually. And I think there's there's a really good track record in, in EDI, um, particularly, I would say, in things like in, in, in gender, where, you know, you look at the balance of, of, of women, men in, in senior positions and so forth. I think that's really good, better than most uh, universities of our type, actually. So great credit. Um, so actually, I did quite a lot of work in that at, at Birmingham and Warwick, where actually... Uh, probably not quite as good as as Liverpool, but actually we did make a lot of progress. And and so one of the things I did at Birmingham was really push, um, get well, trying to get more and more women into senior positions, particularly academic positions, which is where the challenge was. And that moved quite considerably. I think it went from professor, it went from about twenty percent to thirty percent during the period I was there. Um, and the number of heads of schools and heads of departments increased significantly as well. So similar to what Liverpool had, had done, but perhaps not not quite as far in uh, progress uh, terms. Um, so I think that's great. But but equally, there's areas where I think, you know, we've got some some more work to do. So there's around the, the race equality charter work, which we've still not made that application. I know we'll be making the application uh, this year. But at, at Birmingham, I led that application, actually, and that was successful. Right. Um, but you know, again, challenging, and 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 actually, it opened a lot of people's eyes. I think to some of the issues that that the institution has to face, um, and I think will be the same at, at Liverpool. So I think there's quite a lot more work to be done there as well. So yeah, so I, I led a whole range of things actually for in 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 the EDI space. Um, some of which I think were quite successful. Some of which works in progress. Um, you know, I think EDI is work in progress generally within our organisations. Um, and ultimately, what I'd like to see happen eventually is to be just embedded across the institution, because it comes back down to this this sort of distributed leadership, really. Um, it's all very well having EDI initiatives at the top, which are important, absolutely. But it will only be successful when it's embedded across all the decision making that takes place across the institution, all the, you know, all the recruitment, all the promotions, all, you know, et cetera. All of that has to be done with the, the right EDI uh, lens and approach. Uh, and that's not something that I'm going to do. It's going to be what line managers do across the institution, both yeah. in the academic <clears throat> and the professional service world. So I think there's, you know, that will be success when we have it properly embedded. Uh, I don't think we're there yet, but I think there's a lot of progress has been made and I hope we can make more progress um going forward i mean i think the other issue thing that's come up and really interesting conversations around the strategies how you know we do we talk about edi for all the reasons right reasons but actually we need to really turn it around in terms of the strength as well of what diversity brings to 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 the university and i think that's something we really need to push actually and celebrate yeah i completely agree it's um i do a lot of work with uh, the technicians as part of the technician commitments and you know, it's really pleasing when I did that submission uh, back to the Science Council that our gender split um, across technical workforce is pretty much uh, 50-50, which is not the same in many other uh, research yeah. intensive organisations. So we were really pleased with that. But I think you're right in terms of in terms of the other elements of EDI. You know, we I don't think our workforce quite represents um, the demographics in the city in terms of race and ethnicity. So. 
you know that you're right that work has to be embedded it has to be i don't know an edi first uh, approach into into a lot of the things we do so yeah i i completely agree with that it's um but again i agree i think we need to be we need to shout about our successes with that um right. we have made a lot of strides into that area and so i we, think people are rightly proud of that and, yeah. and again as you say we should celebrate and and promote that so yeah. i mean you, you've hinted on strategy a couple of times, um, and I'm not trying to tease that of you, you know, what is the university strategy before you actually get released or anything, but you've been in post for just uh, about three months, as you've said, um, since you took up that post as vice chancellor. So I was just wondering, what, what can you tell us about what's coming for the, for the rest of this year for the university? Um, obviously, I, I guess the strategy will be a big part of that. Um, but what, is that the, the work that you're most looking forward to? Well, I, I mean, I, I think it's it's a hugely important piece of work because then that defines exactly how we're going to function and operate in the next few years. So, so whilst it's not the only thing I'm going to be doing in the next six months, I, I think trying to get that, well, forget the word try, but getting that completed um, by the end of September because we've basically said that we'll take the framework to council for sign-off. So between now and then, there's going to be an awful lot of work, lots of discussions, consultations, engagements across across the university and indeed outside the university to make sure that we have a strategy that that we think reflects where we want to be in 10 years time uh, reflects that need to be ambitious confident outward looking um and and you know reflect something that people can be proud of actually and say yeah this is the university that I want us to be over the next 10 years while I work and study here um, so I think that has to be, you know, that is my priority to make sure we've got that right and that people are comfortable and happy with it. Because if we haven't, then then there's no framework to work from because everything will then flow from that. All the decision making, prioritization, the, the capital plan, the digital plan, you know, everything else has to flow from that because that then it has to enable us to deliver the ambitions that we've got. So, yeah, in the next few months, that's my priority. I mean, the other priority clearly to get to know the university which i'm doing but that you know I'm, I'm increasingly getting to know more and more but i'm also getting to know all the stakeholders we work with because the yeah. university is complex as you said and the number of stakeholders we work with is incredibly complex and you know i'm getting around the city i'm getting around the region there's national there's international stakeholders you know and i've gradually just got to to, to get to to meet the senior people of those organizations that we that that we work with because partnership is going to be critical yeah. if we want to be successful. Yeah. And I bet partnership will run through run through that strategy quite it will. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think partnership will run through it. I think innovation has to run through it because, you know, if we look at the direction of travel for universities, that that is going to be essential. Yeah, absolutely. It's something I'm looking forward to seeing, actually. I work in the organisational development team, so everything that I'll do in terms of developing people to to achieve what they need to achieve to be the best that they can be we'll all we'll all be hung on that strategy um so it's it's a it's a strange time actually because it's um it although you know we're still doing what we're doing and we're, we're successful in the things that we we the interventions that we put in with people um it feels a little bit like we're in limbo at the moment just for the last few couple of months because i run the um welcome event as well so next week i'll be on campus welcoming i think around 60 new staff to to the university and um it's always a little bit awkward the last couple i've done where we get to the slide strategy 2026 because the senior members of staff who were there 
doing that bit of presentation about the aims and and the sort of achievements of the university always say well this is what we had and we sort of know what's coming um but um you know matt matt will be able to fill you on this and then in the next coming weeks and months and things like that so yeah but but there's an important point i mean you're absolutely right and but i mean i don't i don't like the phrase in limbo because no because <laughs> uh, i don't want us to be in limbo i mean i think we've still got to carry on doing absolutely doing things and and, and doing things with purpose but also, you know, we're not ripping up the old strategy. Um, it's it's an evolution, and it will yes, it will have some new priorities and some okay. new directions. But you know, a lot of the ingredients will be the same. But inevitably, we shouldn't be ripping it up. So I think it's you know it's the next stage in the development of the university. Uh, things change, uh, times change. Uh, you know, we're now post COVID. We're we yeah. you know change all sorts of changes happen. The world's changed. Uh, we have to evolve. Um, so that we adapt and, and take the opportunities that are available to us. Um, but it's not so it's not ripping up the old strategy, but it is just, you know, refocusing, reprioritizing certain things and building on successes, actually. Well, that's really good to know, actually, because then next Tuesday, when I'm in that welcome event, I'll be talking about the evolution of strategy 2026, rather than sort of just like yeah. sort of brushing over that slide. So um, yeah, thanks for that. That's actually yeah, going to really sure help you me. Do. It's not it, yeah. absolutely. I don't want people to feel that they're treading water or something. Okay. We shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> thanks. Thank you, Tim. That conversation has been really interesting. This podcast is called the Developing Practice Podcast, and we like to finish each recording with three or four take home tips that the listeners can further reflect on in terms of their own personal practice. So if you could leave us with a couple of tips or thoughts to reflect on, what would they be? Uh, engaging with your colleagues, don't underestimate how important it is. And you you can't over-engage. You need to talk to people. You need to meet with people. You need to listen to people. Uh, that's really important at all levels of the organization. Don't, don't, don't hide. Don't, don't, don't do it all by email or whatever. You, I think it's really important to, to build those relationships and understand what, what's important to the, to your colleagues. Um, delegate. Don't micromanage, otherwise you'll drown. You know, you can't do everything. And as you go further up a leadership journey, you know, that becomes even more important. Um, so you have to be able to, to delegate things and trust people, because that's also how you're going to develop the next generation of leaders who will follow you. Um, be clear in thinking, be decisive. People, you know, people who fall under your, your leadership are looking for decisions. They are looking for clarity. Um, but, you know, make sure you understand why you've made those, uh, you explain why you've made those decisions. So it comes down to communication. But people don't, you know, they don't want to drift. They do need to know what the direction of travel is. So I think that that's really important as well. Um, and enjoy it. Because leadership, if you don't enjoy it, you shouldn't do it. <laughs> it doesn't say that all elements of leadership will be enjoyed. Of course, there's lots of challenging, lots of difficult things. But particularly, you know, universities are full of fantastic intelligent bright vibrant exciting people whether they're staff or students and we do such an array of amazing things so if you can't enjoy being a leader of an organization or part of an organization like like liverpool university then you're not doing the right job you know remember to enjoy it it's a privilege brilliant thanks tim thanks for your time today great my pleasure Well, 
I really enjoyed that conversation with Tim. Um, Tim described some of the characteristics he hoped to engage as a leader of the university. These included being open, transparent and engaging. He felt these characteristics were really important. He also talked about balancing his desire to be inclusive, particularly in terms of decision making, whilst at the same time being able to make clear decisions at the right time. Yeah, Tim also spoke about three things he wanted to shift as he employs these leadership characteristics and starts to take up the leadership of the university. Now, Tim's been around uh, various departments of the university, so a lot of colleagues in Liverpool probably will have already heard this, but he's said in the podcast that he wants us to be more ambitious, more confident and more outward focused, all with a view to becoming a global top 100 university. Well, if you'd like to take your thinking further, we've added some resources to the website on a specific podcast reading list, which you can access at liverpool.ac.uk forward slash the hyphen academy forward slash podcast. We also love to hear what you think about each episode. So please do tweet us at liveuniacademy and you can also find us at elearnermat or at alexandra underscore owen on Twitter. And we're really grateful for those who have taken the time to either rate or review our show in your podcast providers app. So if you haven't done so already, please do take the time to review our show or even better, simply share the episode with friends and colleagues on your social media. Bye for now.